how much weight are you pulling while you're running these or walking yep. these 350 miles? And I gotta probably gotta pull all that gear on the sled with me, on all my sleeping stuff, all my food and everything. A storm could roll in and it could be like negative 20 and blowing. And so with a wind chill, it could be like negative 40 or blow. Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everybody. Uh, whenever you're listening to this, this is your host, Jason Dennis, joining you from Columbus, Georgia, to talk about um, the issues we talk about every week, fitness and faith and how they intertwine with each other. And, uh, you know, in the middle of this COVID-19 pandemic, you know, hard to believe we're already two months into 2021. Time is really flying. Uh, COVID's still impacting us. And you uh, maybe have not been able to travel much. And uh, you think about it, you know, 100 miles, that's a pretty long way to drive uh, somewhere. It, it, you know, maybe take you about, um, you know, hour, two hours to drive that far. Um, but uh, there, uh, the, my guest for this week, for this episode of the Run the Race podcast, I uh, met him uh, just recently, uh, about a month ago. He's from out west in the Washington State area. He has run about three dozen 100-mile races. That is on foot, not in his car or anything else. And he is getting ready to go out on a huge adventure, the 2021 ITI. It's an invitational. It's the uh, Iditarod where um, he is kind of the sled dog, right? So he's doing everything on foot. He is running 350 miles. That's right, the ITI 350 in snowy Alaska. It's a trail run, which uh, he, he did about uh, almost a decade ago, and he said it took him about six and a half days to complete. So this time he may get under that, or may, you know, at least in less than a week. Uh, this invitation is the world's longest running winter ultra marathon into the far reaches of the Alaskan wilderness and they call it one of the most challenging experiences on the planet going on the historic Iditarod Trail. Now, you can people can choose to do a bicycle, foot, or skis, cross-country skiing, but he's choosing it to do it on foot. I think one of only about two dozen people uh, competing in that foot race on the trails. Uh, that's going to happen at the very end of this month, the last day of February. So he's leaving for that soon. We're going to talk to uh, him about that and uh, talking to Brandon Lott about a bunch of other things as well. So we'll hear from him in just a few minutes. But it, it got me thinking, you know, why in the world would you run a 100-mile race? You know, I, I have the goal of running a marathon, 26.2 miles in all 50 states. I'm about to run uh, in my, uh, I believe, 14th state. So I've got a long ways to go. And he, he's run more than that in terms of 100-milers. And, uh, you know, because, uh, you know, running that far and that long, you know, for 24 hours or whatever, however long it takes, 100 miles, it can be awful. You're going to have those muscle aches and discomfort uh, throughout your body and plenty of chafing and probably blisters and going to get bored and, and sleepy as well. And, you know, um, Brandon's going to set up his own uh, uh, camp and everything and carry his gear 40 and 50 pounds worth along the whole 350 miles. It's pretty incredible he's going to be doing that. Uh, but when you think about it, um, you know, uh, we, we kind of separate joy and suffering. And, um, but they're, they're, you know, they're not, uh, you know, we, we tend to think of them, as, I guess, as mutually exclusive, but really they're not. I found an article in AmericanMagazine.org uh, talks about how, you know, while that suffering is unpleasant and involves some pain, uh, it is about submitting to the process of change. And I'm just going to read this to you because uh, it's better the way they wrote it than anything else. It says, in running as in life, our task is not to eliminate suffering, once and for all, but to change our relationship to it. And in the New Testament, Jesus talks in, in Matthew about whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. So uh, in this article, it talks about how those who seek to avoid suffering, if you're looking to you know, uh, avoid suffering, anything else, in an attempt to save their life will find that they have not truly lived, while those who answer the call to suffer will have life in abundance. We are not to be saved from suffering, but to be saved in suffering. So what a great lesson we can learn from uh, ultra marathon runners. And you don't really have to run 100 miles or a marathon to be able to find that joy and that good life. Um, yeah, because suffering is going to find us. Uh, we, we know that through this COVID-19 pandemic and all the loss we've had. And I'm sure you've experienced a lot of uh, trials and uh, ups and downs, mountains and valleys in your life 
before the pandemic and way after it as well. Um, so, uh, you know, uh, Jesus uh, suffered as well, obviously on the cross and, and, and the different parts of his life as well. So we can learn from, from Jesus, learn from ultra marathon runners uh, like Brandon Lott, uh, our guest for this uh, podcast. And again, you can go to WTVM.com slash podcast and listen to any of the previous 55 episodes. Uh, we'd love for you to go on there and at Apple Podcasts, go to the bottom of the page, run the race, write a quick review, give us five stars. We'd love for your feedback and, and keep listening. Tell others about it using hashtag run the race podcast. But our guest is Brandon Lott who I met, he was uh, in Georgia about a month ago. He ran uh, 131 miles in three days with a friend uh, to help benefit Sleep in Heavenly Peace. It is an organization, a mission, a nonprofit that uh, uh, gets volunteers uh, to uh, help build bunk beds for kids in need all over the nation because there's there's really a couple million kids that still sleep on the floor, which is really an amazing fact. So Brandon Lott is doing this uh, Iditarod uh, race 350 miles in Alaska to benefit them as well. He began running back in 2006. He's a father of four, a grandfather of four who lives out in eastern Washington state. By day, he is a blueberry farmer. Uh, he has completed uh, more than 35 of these 100-mile races, along with three races that have been 200-plus miles. So here's my conversation with uh, Brandon, who's about to go on that adventure in Alaska. All right, I'd like to welcome uh, Brandon Lott to the uh, podcast all the way from Washington State. Uh, thanks so much for joining us, Brandon. Thank you. And uh, we, we met um, several weeks ago when you were actually in downtown Columbus, Georgia, which is where I am. You had uh, you and a friend uh, ran 131 miles over the course of three days in support of Sleep in Heavenly Peace, which uh, builds beds for children all across the nation that don't have them. So uh, um, I, I assume you're rested up from, uh, from that, that run, right? Yep, rested up and ready to go. Yeah, and speaking of ready to go, I wanted to talk to you first about this uh, big adventure you got coming up in uh, just a few days. Um, hard to believe it. uh, it's going to be called it's called the ITI three fifty, and that's the Iditarod three hundred and fifty miler and ultra marathon in Alaska. And you're leaving soon for that. Uh, and you ran this race, um, I think, back in twenty thirteen as well. So you kind of know what to expect. But uh, I guess the first question is, um, why do something like this, or, or, or do you enjoy it? I guess. <laughs> well, I definitely enjoy it. Um, it's definitely a challenge, and I enjoy the challenge. And we, you know, originally were kind of hoping to do the 1,000-mile race because we were looking for something to bring more awareness uh, to the charity. And so we thought that would be, you know, such a big event and so challenging. And, and that was just kind of like it would help inspire more awareness and so i don't know we're really looking forward to bringing that next year yeah also so you know i mean what's it like because usually you think the iditarod you think of sled dogs and um right. and then the dog's doing the work but you're doing all 350 miles i mean is this just rugged snowy terrain and i mean how long does it take you to do 350 miles well, the, the train's pretty buried. I mean, it's all snow. Well, except there are some frozen lakes, and sometimes the frozen lakes don't have a lot of snow on them, so it's just ice. But um, And there is a mountain pass that you have to go over in this shorter race, and so it's not all flat. There are a lot of rolly hills, <clears throat> and uh, and they're, depending on the conditions, there could be a storm that rolls in, and there could be a lot of fresh new snow, there could be wind that blows, so there could be a lot of snow drifts. Uh, so a person has to, you know, bring snowshoes and be prepared to travel in snowshoes, uh, even also. Wow. So are you are you jogging, running, walking, or just kind of a a variety of all those things during uh, the course yep. of 350 miles? Kind of like a variety of all those things because uh, it'd be kind of cool to run the whole thing, but a person doesn't really want to get too hot and too sweaty because we also got to sleep outside and it can be, you know, negative 20 degrees. And if you're, if you go to bed down and you're sweaty, you're just going to not, not going to get warm, not going to stay warm. You're just going to freeze. And so you kind of trying to maintain a constant temperature, 
I, I, I'll, you know, probably start off running because I'll be cold and then I'll run until I get warm. Then I'll walk for a little bit until I kind of cool down and then just kind of a constant run, walk, run, walk. Yeah. And, and for me, you know, I, I, f- I feel like that I'm, I do a lot of running myself and 350 miles. I mean, that's about two months worth of training for me or, or close to that in terms of mileage. So how, how long does it take you? I and mean, what is your goal for the ITI 350 in terms of, uh, you know, duration? Uh-huh. Well, last time I did it in about six and a half days. And so this time I'm kind of, I'm hoping to beat that. Anything under that would be, would be cool. I'm kind of shooting for five and a half days, but I don't know if I'm going to be able to make that. That's like, you know, over 60 miles a day. So, um, but yeah, last time I did it in six and a half. So I'd like to beat that this time. Wow. I mean, is your body, I mean, do you go through a lot of pain? Cause people even, you know, I mean, I run marathons and other people run ultras or even hundred milers, but I mean, this is a, on, on another scale. So uh, do you just fight through the pain or your body maybe is just used to this cause you, you've done it before? Uh, no, it's really hard to get used to, but, um, and so since I'll be going at a little, at, you know, quite a bit of a slower pace, run, walk, run, walk type of pace, it really helps, but also um, after about the second to third day, my body kind of gets used to it. So after the third day, I'm like really kind of getting into a groove. But you know, first and second day, I, it seems like I kind of have to fight a little bit to to resist the temptation just to walk the whole time because uh, it, it is it is you know running for that much is is painful i guess <laughs> yeah I, I can imagine for sure and and i'm i'm i also probably think it's 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 beautiful scenery out there in alaska the the course of the iditarod but i mean are you running oh, through, yeah. are you running through snow and stuff is it is that make it difficult or is it kind of a fun challenge that like you're on different train i know you're in washington state so you've seen snow and maybe trained in it a lot as well mm-hmm. yep nope the uh the snow conditions can be pretty varied, and you know, as far, as far as scenery, it's really cool because at certain parts of the race in the beginning, you're running right towards Mount Denali and the mountain range right there, and you can just kind of keep that in the horizon, and it's really neat. Um, and you, some of the snow is more packed, but like a, a snowmobile tracks, snowmobile trail is kind of packed it down, so it's it's really nice to run on. But then there's other parts where the snow is maybe a little bit softer, a little bit deeper, where you're kind of just pushing through it, and uh, it really slows you down. And, you know, what, what does it mean to you to be able to, I mean, obviously, you're doing this as it's a big challenge. It's something, you know, uh, fun at times for you as well, but you, you're also doing this to benefit uh, the Sleep and Heavenly Peace nonprofit and charity. What does it mean to you right. to be able to go out there and, and uh, raise awareness and kind of take on this immense um, fitness effort to be able to kind of hopefully raise money and awareness for them? Well, it's really cool to me because um, I've been on some deliveries uh, for the bunk beds for Sleep in Heavenly Peace, and we delivered some bunk beds to some kids, and it was just really neat to see these kids' reactions and knowing uh, that they won't have to sleep on the floor anymore that they get a bed of their own, that they get a pillow and you know, a blanket and they, they, they have their own bed. And it's just, they were just so excited to have their own bed. And, and that just so, I don't know, heartwarming to know that you're kind of helping other people, uh, helping other people and helping, especially kids because it's hard for them to help themselves. Yeah. Well, and, it's, it's amazing what you're doing and, and, uh, I'm sure they appreciate it and, and uh, it's inspiring, you know, because running for a cause and something you're passionate about uh, does, it makes it that much, uh, uh, you know, doing it something for, for something bigger than yourself when you're out there doing a race. And we, I want to talk to you over the course of this chat for the podcast about, um, you know, how you've served others in the past and, and uh, being a farmer and, and um, your, uh, your faith background and um, your, your running adventures as well. And maybe how you started running as well, because that's a cool story. But uh, I do also a quick fast for some rapid fire questions to kind of get to know you a little bit uh, to, to get to know Brandon a lot. So uh, the first of the fast four is what is your um, current job description at work and at home? Cause I know that you, you stay pretty busy at both. I, I imagine. 
Yep. Well, I, I uh, farm blueberries and apples over here in Washington State, and I'm, I kind of manage the farms, making sure the berries are in the you know the best possibly they can be when they go to market. And um, we have a marketer that market, markets them all over the nation. Half go East Coast, and about half go West Coast. And uh, yep. And as far as um, in the house right now, I have four kids. But they're all out of the house. Well, I have my son. My son is moving back in with this. But I also have, so I have four kids. Two of my two oldest daughters are married. And I have four grandkids. And um, so that kind of keeps us pretty busy. Yeah, yeah, that sounds like fun being a uh, you know a father, a grandfather, uh, uh, and, and we c- talked about this a little bit. But you know, for you, especially now training for this uh, ITI, the three hundred and fifty. I know you do. You've done a, a flurry of of ultra marathons, a hundred milers. What do you do on a daily basis in terms of training or, or to to stay physically fit? I mean, are you doing strength or just running every day? Um, well, I it, I don't know I kind of vary a little bit. But I um, I meet a group and we run every morning at 4:45 for about an hour and a quarter and um, and then on like uh, Tuesday Thursday I kind of do my own thing. Sometimes I take a break. Sometimes uh, I have to go to work early. You know, sometimes I will just do some some body strength exercises at, at home. Um, and if I'm really serious about my training. There is a uh, kind of like a hit class that I go to uh, on Tuesdays and Thursdays, but that's, but sometimes I just I go I, I I try to be careful not to get burned out. Yeah. So I if I hit it too hard and if I'm training you know every day sometimes twice a day after a little after a while I just get burned out and so I gotta dial it back and. Even though I might not be in the best, the very best running shape, I'm I'm in the best uh, place for myself. Yeah, because so. because mental and recovery is just as important as the miles you put in for sure. It's very important, right? Um, and the uh, the next one is: Do you have like a certain like an inspirational or faith motto, something uh, maybe a mantra? I mean, what do you say to yourself to to, to or think when you to to keep you keep you going? Well, and that's that's a, a question that I get, I get asked a little often because um, they'll like, people will say ask me how do you get you know how do you run through the how do you run through the pain or how do you do you ever get to a point where you just want to quit and um, I I I prefer I prefer myself in the beginning and I know that's going to happen I know I'm going to get to a point where it's going to be hard. I know I'm going to get to a point where I'm going to wish I was doing something else. Hmm. I'm going to get to that point where I'm just going to be, I, I wish I wasn't out there. And so if I prepare myself before it starts and tell myself that's going to happen, you're going to get to that point and you're going to want to quit. And so I, I just kind of mentally am prepared. So when that does happen, I, I just kind of brush it off. I'm like, okay, that's this. I'm, I'm to that point, but I can just, I know I can get past it. I can just kind of like put it to the side and just keep on going because I know if I get past that one point, it'll be better. Yeah. And it might not be better for a while, but it'll eventually get better. Yeah. So, and it might even take to the very end. <laughs> and then when I get to the end, I'm just going to be so glad I finished. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Happy that you're at the end. And, and uh, fin- uh, wrapping up the uh, fast four, um, what is something um, unique about uh, Brandon Lott? Uh, I was in a, a near fatal car accident when I was uh, when I was younger, and I had I was in a coma and had to learn how to walk and talk all over again. Um, yeah, that's uh, and, I mean, it's uh, you were telling me that story, you know, off air, and and um, I'm gonna I want to talk to you more about that and how that maybe changed you and and uh, you know because you were um, in your 20s when that happened, right? Right. Wow, man. Well, I want to, you know, speaking of kind of going back in time, I wanted to kind of uh, go back to, because, uh, you know, people that may be listening, uh, they could be, you know, new to running. 
um, or, you know, uh, doing something like couch to 5k or these, you know, people could be ultra marathoners that are listening and trying to get faster or stronger or something like that. So for you, you know, um, how and why did you start running? Was this something that, um, you, you've done since you were younger or, or, um, you were spurred on? Yep. Nope. I, I started about in 2006 and uh, my wife's family put together this challenge, uh, a weight loss challenge and whoever lost the highest, highest percentage of body weight, um, got the pot. So everybody put in like, I don't know, 20 or 40 bucks or whatever. I can't remember exactly, but I remember the pot grew to $400. Nice. And so as soon as I, as soon as I seen like the pot was $400, I was like, I think I could do this. I think I could, I could lose some weight because at the time I wasn't doing anything. I was just pretty sedentary and, uh, and I was just not active and I, and I have like, a, I don't know, a little bit of weight to lose. And I, I was looking for something. I was kind of looking for a hobby, looking for something to do, knowing that I was just kind of sitting on the couch a lot. Anyway, so I just worked my butt off and I, I, uh, realized running was one of the best ways to lose weight and get in shape. And so I ran more. I couldn't even, when I started, I couldn't even hardly run to the end of the driveway. But as I ran more, I uh, challenged myself more. And I I started in a couple of 5K, 10K uh, races. And uh, that's kind of how it got started. And then I entered my first marathon. And it was in the, it was um, in the mountains on trails. And that's how I started trail running is I, I was in that marathon and I thought, man, this is so cool running in the mountains on trails with other people that are like doing the same thing. And, uh, when I finished, I was like almost dead last, like I could barely even walk, but I just thought it was so cool. And I was kind of hooked from then on. Yeah. So how much weight did you lose to, to win the, uh, the, the $400 in your family contest? Yeah, I was about 195 and so I lost about 40 pounds. And so there was a lot of, there was, you know, a few of the people that were heavier than me, but they don't lose as big a percentage of body weight. So it was, um, so yeah, I won the pot and I was, I was happy about that. So, so you can blame uh, family members for getting you into this uh, ultra uh, running adventure, right? Yep. It's all their fault. <laughs> it's all their fault. So, um, <laughs> and then, you know, from there you, you graduate from five K's to a marathon and to trail running and ultra running. And, um, you've completed, I think, you know, at least 35 of these hundred mile races and, and several, uh, 200 plus mile races. Um, and then we talked about the ITI 350 in Alaska from eight years ago. So what, what made you kind of want to, to take that leap? Because that's a pretty big jump from like a 5k and a marathon to 100 and 200 mile races. What, what is a, what was it that, that, um, that motivated you or sparked you to do that? Well, I seen this, I seen this race. I did a 50k and I thought, well, that's not that much further than a marathon. But then I seen this hundred mile race. And I thought that is like the ultimate challenge right there, a hundred mile race. And, uh, so that, that's kind of, I got hooked on hundred milers. And then, so now the last, I don't know, several years, I've really kind of concentrated more on hundred mile races more than shorter races, uh, because it, because of the challenge. And it, it just, um, I don't know, it's, you know, mental challenge and physical challenge. Yeah, I mean, you're out there on your feet for, you know, give or take, depending on the terrain or how long it takes you, how fast you're going. You know, this is like a 24-hour deal. And um, yeah. so, and you're not, I mean, you're on your feet for a, most of that time. So, you know, how do you train for something like that? You talked earlier about how, you know, you get up early in the morning with a group and run and do some some hit classes, that kind of thing. But do you have like a plan? Like, okay, this is what I need to do to be able to, to train for this 100 miler or, I mean, you know, because that that's a, it's a huge uh, effort to, to be able to do that for 24 hours. Yeah, I can, I can tell, you know, I can listen to my body and I can tell if I'm at what, where, what stage I'm at. But for me, and I think for most ultra runners and especially hundred mile racers, they, the important, there's a couple of important key components to their training. And one of them is getting a long run in, you know, every 10 days or once a week or so is getting that long run in you know, maybe like a 20 or 30 miler. And sometimes they're back to back long runs, maybe like on a Friday, Saturday, doing 20 miles, 30 miles each day. 
and then also doing hill doing hills hill training is important. Maybe it's hill repeats or just training on hills, but getting that vert vertical um, in is really important. And then uh, um, and then temple runs. You wouldn't think like in a hundred mile race that temple runs are that important, but temple runs, hill repeats, and long runs are uh, kind of the the meat and bones, meat and potatoes of the um, training. But it's just kind of like a, a marathon training, but um, just like doubled, I guess, or something. Yeah, mar- marathon training on uh, on steroids, I guess for sure. Um, yeah. And so, and how do you you know with doing these multiple hundred mile races over the course of the last you know decade, um, which is you know doing it once is hard enough, but doing it you know twenty thirty uh, times is incredible. So how do you, um, prevent injuries? I mean, how do you, you know, you're, um, you know, uh, not maybe, you're not as young as you used to be. I, that's what I say about myself, yeah. right? but, um, yeah. so as we get older, our, you know, maybe we take a little longer to recover or, you know, maybe we can do more than we think we can. So how do you make yeah. sure to prevent injuries and, and, uh, give yourself a chance to kind of, uh, your body to, to heal itself, I guess. Well, um, I guess for me, I don't, when I am in these races, I don't consider myself like an elite runner or anything like that. And so I'm not going, uh, I'm not redlining the whole thing. I'm not just going maximum speed or I, and I'm taking it pretty easy and I'm listening to my body and I'm, and I'm dialing it back a little bit often because I don't want to, uh, you know, just have too much impact or too much time at, at one time. Often the injuries come when a person goes too fast, too soon, or too far, too soon. And I don't know. So I, I'm, but all of a sudden my body's kind of got used to going these longer distances, and I can maybe do two hundred mile races in a month. Um, well, and in 2019, I did a, a 200 mile race in, at the beginning of August and then a hundred mile race at the end of August. So, and, um, it, and like you said, I'm not getting any younger. And so it does, I do notice it does take a little bit longer to recover. Yeah. So, um, so how old are you now? Uh, 48. 48. So, so maybe for your, uh, your, your 50th, you'll do a 500 mile race or something like that. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> you never know, right? <laughs> um, yeah. and, and, and when you're out there, I mean, you talk about the, the mental aspect of, of running these races and, and doing a, a hundred mile or even a marathon, how mentally, uh-huh. you know, you're going to hit that wall. You're going to get to that place where it's like, right. where, you know, you're just fatigued mentally or you're just your quads or something's really hurting bad and you got to push through right. that. So for you, and and I know you told me off air that, uh, you've uh, grown up and as a, you know, uh, a longtime member of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, raised your, your family Uh in church. So how does faith play a role in your, in your training? And when you're out there running that kind of thing, I mean, do you kind of lean on like the fact that, cause you're out there alone. I mean, this is you doing the, the, the running for 24 hours or for six and a half days. So is that something that is, as part of your, your process? Yeah, um, definitely. I definitely think uh, for me, I, uh, I don't know. Some people might think that, um, God helps them in everything. Sometimes I think God helps us in our eternal progression, but doesn't, isn't, but it's up to us like in our hobbies is we have our free agency to do what we want to do. But then of course, when it comes to uh, our eternal progression and our repentance process and, um, you know, just being a better person um, and overcoming, overcoming stuff, God's there and he's, he's, he's wanting to help us. He's wanting to help us learn. He's wanting to teach us and he's wanting to help us progress. But then when it comes to our hobbies, to me, it's kind of, we're, we're at, we're on our own. <laughs> and, uh, but I, I think, of course, a lot of people look at it differently. 
so, but so when I'm out there running, to me, it's kind of like my hobby out there, and it has nothing to do with my eternal progression. Um, other than when I'm out there, I'm thinking about stuff about how I can be a better person, how how I can be a better husband, how I can be a better father. Thinking about things that mistakes I've made in the past and how how I can improve and be better. And uh, but I'm not necessarily depending on God to get me through that race. I'm I'm uh, because I took it on myself. But I'm but I. I um, depend on him in every aspect of my life as far as to help me return to live with him again. So, and, and you know, to be a better, better person that way. But I do, I'm really excited about how running ultras and running in general can, you can relate a lot of the concepts and um, a lot of the metaphors and stuff to life and have uh, situations while running and overcome them and relate that to your, your situations in life and overcome them the same way. Yeah. R- running a race is definitely, you know, comparison to like getting through life, you know, the ups and downs and then what right. you, what you go through and kind of overcoming, like you're talking about. And, and speaking of overcoming, you mentioned this, you know, earlier on in the, you know, the fast four talking about uniqueness, uh, so I know that, um, you went on a two year mission, church mission in Scotland when right. you were 20 years old. And at that time you had a car accident that really changed your life. Um, and, and changed at that moment when you were a young man, you know, almost 30 years ago. So tell us about yeah, um, what, what happened there. And, and cause you had to, um, I guess maybe change your perspective on a lot of things. Well, I was in this accident. I was thrown from the car, and I, I had a traumatic brain injury. I was in a coma, and I was in the hospital for in Scotland for about a month. And um, I, I right after the accident, as soon as I came out of the coma, I couldn't I couldn't walk or talk or anything. I had no hand eye coordination. I I was kind of, I was like semi paralyzed on one side of my body, and so I was just really dependent on on other people and my as soon as I had the accident my parents flew over to Scotland and were there uh, when I came out of the coma and they they I, I had to they had to do everything for me and they even, I mean, I couldn't, they, every day they walked me around the hospital, but I just put one arm around each my, my mom and my dad. And they just kind of like almost drug me around the hall, hallways of the hospital because it was hard for me to, um, to walk. And, um, but over time I, uh, I regained a lot of abilities and slowly recovered and that, that was a pinnacle in my life where I realized I, I can, I can overcome, I can basically overcome anything with, with other people's help and with God's help. There's like almost, there's like, cause that was like so big in my life. Um, it really helped me. And, and, and look at you now, you know, uh, uh, decades later, you're running these hundred milers and then 350 miler. I mean, you, I guess back then, maybe you would never would have thought that that would have been a reality for you. Yep. It's, uh, it, it, it definitely, it changed my perspective and, uh, I feel like I was able to overcome it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and then, you know, you're obviously by day, you know, your job is um, as a, a blueberry farmer uh, in Washington State, um, in eastern Washington, I guess. Um, and right. um, so tell me about how you got into that. Was that something that um, you maybe had a passion for for a while or, or maybe, uh, you know, a, a family tradition? Yeah, no, it was, it's kind of a family. It was a family thing a little bit. My, uh, my, I don't know. My grandpa had two acres of apples and a house that he had. And then eventually, uh, over time, my dad bought that house from him and it had those two acres of apples out front. And my brother and I helped my dad farm those two acres, like during the summer when we were during our summer break from school. And 
then my dad bought 10 acres of land behind our house and put apples in that. So then we had 12 acres of, 12 acres of apples. But, but with the apple market, it was like really cyclical. And, you know, some years it was good, some years it was bad. And it was really just hard to count on a steady income from the apple market. And so my dad was like looking for ways to be more diversified. We, we tried just some blueberries in our backyard and they worked out good. And they're over here in Eastern Washington, there was no blueberries uh, planted in the ground over here. Uh, and they did really good. And so then we, we put in a few more. And uh, so now we, have, now we have about 150 acres of blueberries. And, and it's, just my, it's just my mom and I now that, that do it. And, and we have about only about 12 acres of apples because we took out a lot of apples to put in blueberries because they, they did so much better for us. Now, as an ultra runner, do you recommend, is, is blueberries a, uh, a good power food, a good, uh, um, good food for nutrition, fitness as well? Well, I mean, they're not bad for sure. They're definitely kind of like a little superfood. They have antioxidants in them and, uh, they are, we grow organic blueberries, so that's even better for a person. And, uh, they definitely, um, help. They definitely are, uh, you know, rich in nutrients and they, they, uh, a person can't live on blueberries alone, but it's definitely something I think is great to supplement with. And when you're talking about a hundred, 200 acres, I mean, are you doing some of your runs kind of around the farm or in that field area? Cause you got a lot of room to work with there. Yep. We, uh, we live uh, right next to the confluence of the blue of the snake river and the Columbia River, they kind of come together right where we live. And so uh, there's a lot of irrigated ground uh, farmland in our area. So there's a lot of um, uh, irrigation canals. And so I'll run down to the canal, which will lead down to the river. And so I kind of have a little route that I do that runs through our blueberry patch and through the orchard and, and through like the neighbor's vineyards and stuff like that. And then down to the uh, irrigation canal and then down to the river and then back. And so that's something that I do very often. Wow. And, you know, we talked earlier about, you know, with, with your running that, you know, you, you, you want to do it to, to help support, um, great organizations and charities like sleep and heavenly peace. Um, you uh-huh. know, um, how did, how did you come about in terms of, I, I know you work with Luke Mickelson, who was a previous guest on our podcast. Um, he is the, uh-huh. uh, the, uh, uh, founder and director of uh, SHP. So how did you come about to kind of, um, you know, getting to know what they do and why, uh, I guess, why choose them? Well, uh, I, we used to um, hang out with Luke and a little bit before he was, before he started with SHP. And when he lived up here in Tri-Cities before he moved to Idaho, he lived up here and we hung out with him a little bit. You know, we were just friends with them. And my brother-in-law, my sister's uh, brother, they they were like really good friends. They were like best friends. And so we knew Luke through Mitch, uh, Mitch Matthews. And, uh, and so when Luke started the SHP, we kind of had, we already knew Luke and we, we knew, of course we knew Mitch because we're, he's family and Mitch was, um, the marketing director for SHP and, I, I've just been able to keep in close contact with how the charity has grown and how it's developed and the, the things that it's done and the people that it's, the, a lot of the lives that it's changed, I've seen directly. So it's been really neat. And, you know, like uh, we were saying at the beginning of the podcast chat, uh, you recently, uh, back in uh, late January, ran over the course of three days, more than 131 miles. Uh, I think it took you guys a little bit shade above 27 hours. You and uh, Tyler Barrett running from uh, Conyers to Peachtree City to LaGrange and then to Columbus, Georgia. So uh, what was that like? I mean, because obviously, you know, we're out here on the East Coast. You're a West Coast guy. Uh, There's a thing called Move for Beds. That's Move and then the number four beds through uh, Sleep and Heavenly Peace. Was that a pretty cool project to, to come uh, out here to maybe a little warmer country? <laughs> Well, yeah, that was amazing. Actually, I mean, it wasn't like super warm when we got to Georgia. It was in the 30s at night in the mornings, it seemed like. And then 
it got up to the fifties, maybe maybe sixty during the day. So it was like perfect running weather for for me. And uh, my my friend Ty, he was a little cold, but I I run hot, so I like to run in the cold. Um, but it wasn't super cold. And uh, but yeah, no, it was very challenging. Uh, the, you know, at the end of the first day, having run forty four miles, and then getting up the second day and doing it again. Uh, I, after we run the first day, I thought, oh man, I don't know if I'm going to be able to run the second day. This is going to be, you know, pretty challenging and I'm going to have to take it quite a bit slower and, uh, I'm going to be in a lot of pain. It's going to hurt a lot, but I got up the second day and, uh, I felt pretty good. And I think we, we ran the same, pretty close to the same pace the second day as the third day. I mean, as the first day. The third day, Ty had an injury in his knee to where it kind of got inflamed and he got some fluid around his knee cap and stuff. So he, we had to take it a little bit slower the third day. We did we did more walking and and uh, he was such a trooper for pushing through that pain. And uh, uh, that was amazing. And uh, last question for you, uh, um uh, what is uh, Brandon? What what are you? What's your expectations going into this ITI uh, 350? And I, I, obviously, you you you've done it before, so you kind of know what to expect from you know eight years ago. But uh, with uh, with, the, with going out there to Alaska, what an adventure! But doing it for sleep and heavenly peace. I mean, are you you feel like you're prepared um, for it? You know, days out, um, and you're I mean, you excited or you're nervous? Yeah, no, I'm excited and nervous. Uh, there's definitely some uh, anxiety because you just never know what's going to happen out there on the race course. And uh, there's with Alaska, especially, you just never know what conditions are what the conditions are going to be like. Like I mentioned earlier, a storm could roll in, and it could be like negative twenty and blowing. And so, with a wind chill, it could be like negative forty or blow, and or it could be, you know, in the 20s during the day and in the in the single digits at night, which would be like really, I don't know, ideal almost. So it could from one spectrum to the other, it could be, uh, or it could be the whole shooting match. But so it's there definitely is some anxiety in that, knowing what's gonna what it's gonna be like. I feel like I'm more prepared this time than last time. I, I put a long run in this last weekend here in the snow and uh it went went really well um and so i'm I'm pretty excited about that i got you know i got all the gear i need um which is crazy and i gotta probably gotta pull all that gear on the sled with me on all my sleeping stuff all my food and everything but it's um i i, I i'm pretty comfortable with my setup and, uh, so that's incredible. Like so, so, so you're, you're the, you're literally the sled dog. So are, are you, how much weight? I mean, so are you, can you have a support team? Are you solo out there where you have to literally, yep. how much weight are you pulling while you're running these or walking yep. these 350 it, miles? They let us have a, a couple of draw bags that I, um, I had to mail them the other day. The draw bags had to be up there by this, um, Saturday. So, and they, they fly those drop bags in to checkpoints. So I was able to have two drop bags, like one at like a mile 125 and one at, I think, mile 200 around there. Wow. So how much, and, how much, uh, weight, are, how much weight are you expecting to, to pull while you're, you know, in addition so to your, your weight? So my is going to weigh about 40, 40 to 45 pounds. And because um, it, it has my, you know, stove, little stove on there, my, all my sleeping stuff, all my clothes, all my food. And you know, and anything that I need, um, I'll, I, I put, I have, I'll put together on my sled. Wow, that's that's amazing. So, are you? Uh, last thing on this, are you sleeping? How much do you sleep every night? Um, do you expect to? Well, I guess, and and then how do are you eating just throughout the day, trying to keeping those calories in? Yeah, I'm. I'm. I plan on sleeping every night. Uh, the first night we'll kind of see how it goes, but every night and for about two hours and, um, and I kind of have planned where I am going to have like a, cause I have to melt snow for lunch and dinner. So I'm not, 
so I will melt snow at night and then I'll melt enough snow for in the morning and I'll put it in like a, um, an insulated container. So it, it won't, um, cool off too much. And so, so then I'm just going to have those two meals and then I'm pretty much just have snacks all day long. And then lunch, I mean, then, um, dinner, melt snow and then have it for breakfast. And I um, kind of like packaged my own meals already. I put them all together in little Ziplocs. And then, um, so hopefully that won't be, it won't take too long. So, and maybe after this, you, you do want to ward out, you, no more snow for meals after the, uh, after the ITI 350, right? Yeah, not, not for a long time. <laughs> well, uh, we wish you the, the very best, uh, Brandon. And, uh, it's, it's an amazing thing that you're doing the, uh, the ITI 350 out in Alaska in the coming days and look forward to hearing, uh, how it went for you, how long it took, if it's six days, seven days, whatever long. And, and, uh, and we will, um, we will let p- folks know how they can uh, help uh, sleep in heavenly. Well, t- well, tell us how you know if, if people want to follow your adventure or if they want to help sleep in heavenly peace through your uh, through your race. How can they do that? Well, um, I'll, I'll be posting a tracker on my Facebook page, uh, Brandon Lott, L O T T, and then they can go to that tracker and they kind of see it's, it's a live tracker and they can see. Anybody can see where I'm at on the course compared to everybody else on the course. And, and in this race, there's three disciplines. There's bikers, um, people on foot, and skiers. And there's about, I think, about 25 bikers and about 25 people on foot. And then there's just a couple of skiers. And so the bikers, they, they move a lot faster. And the people on foot, they'll, they'll be, I think it should be easy to see the, the different groups. And then for sleep in heavenly peace, um, they just go to sleepinheavenlypeace.org to um, to l- learn more about the charity. Definitely uh, search for them on uh, you know, SHP you know, online, and, and they will uh, yeah. and definitely contribute to them and help them out because uh, you're putting in a lot of money. If somebody wants to donate a dollar for every mile, they can slap down three fifty uh, to to. Uh, yep. to uh, in honor of what you're doing. So, uh, we appreciate it. Uh, thank you for your time. I'll let you get back to training and farming in your family. And, uh, we, again, we wish you the, uh, the very best and, uh, go get them, I guess. Thank you. I sure do appreciate it. All right. Thank you, Brandon. You know, it's interesting what I find, uh, when I talk to some of these, um, you know, ultra marathon runners, people that have achieved really amazing things that I couldn't even fathom doing like this 350 miles in Alaska. Um, he, he's very humble and, uh, doesn't, it's not a big deal to him that he's done all these hundred mile races. Um, also Brandon Lott founded and directed the Badger Mountain Challenge Endurance 100 mile race. So was a director and helped create that race from 2011 to 2014. So uh, looking forward to maybe catching up with Brandon in the future. Maybe, who knows, maybe one day I'll run a 100-mile race. Uh, not quite ready for that yet. That'd be four marathons. So uh, maybe, maybe one day. We'll see. Now to our final segments of the we always have on the Run the Race podcast. Uh, uh, parting gift uh, about uh, suffering from the Bible and uh, food for thought about uh, what, you know, ultra running has to do with faith. I found this news tidbit from the Huffington Post. It's an article called The Spiritual Dimension of Ultra Running. Now, of course, this is a solitary sport. It can be done deserts, mountains, trails, jungles, all kinds of weather and temperatures. And and uh, so, you know, you have to mentally prepare for the rigors of this. You know, extremely difficult. It's, it's uncomfortable. It could be uh, 50K, which is uh, 32 miles. It could be a 100-miler or a 50-miler. Um, and your body's in motion, nonstop miles, hour after hour. And so some of these ultra marathon runners, maybe like Brandon, they uh, integrate, uh, you know, Zen philosophy, Buddhist traditions and spirituality, and maybe others turn to God and scripture and their Christian faith. 
And there's research about how when you run these ultra distances and you're isolated out there, it gives those runners the opportunity to to be more spiritual and to reflect more. Uh, one of the um, runners had stated recently and uh, that it's just God in the mountains and me. And in another study, an ultra runner said, running allows us to be as spiritual as we can because we are out there and we're suffering. Maybe that is what it is to be closer to God. And there's actually... Uh, an Ultra Runner's Prayer. It's by Carolyn Eardman and Jay Hody. They ask the Lord to watch over the Ultra Runner's body, mind, and spirit, and also to look after the trails and the mountains. The prayer asks that uh, you know the Lord remind us, that these runners, about the struggle and maybe about their personal victory as well at the finish line, uh, only possible through God's guidance, giving Him the glory all the way for sure. Our parting gift is some some wisdom when it's when it comes to suffering uh, from the Bible. First Peter five ten says, "So after you have suffered a little while, he will restore, support, and strengthen you, and he will place you on a firm foundation." This came from a, a recent uh, sermon from a friend of mine, a good friend of mine, Pastor Joe Banks, a uh, sermon about stability. So uh, you know we, we will suffer. That's that's a, a fact, Jack. And uh, but God's going to restore us, support us, and strengthen us, and give us uh, put us on that firm foundation. If we look to Him, uh, whether we're on the mountaintop or whether we're in the valley, looking to God. And speaking of that, let us close in prayer, dear Lord. Uh, just thank you for uh, restoring us, supporting us, and putting us on on a firm ground, Lord God. Even when uh, when we're facing things we need to overcome, and when we're suffering, Lord God, uh, whether it be uh, in a race or in the race of life, Lord God, just uh, thank you for the opportunity of suffering, so that we can learn and become better people, better husbands and fathers and mothers and wives and friends. And uh, whatever job that we have as well, Lord God, that uh, any kind of suffering we go through there, let us let us look at it as as joy, and, and that 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 uh, that we will be better, and things will be better because of any kind of uh, suffering that we have to go through. Your name, we pray, Amen. Again, thank you so much for choosing the Run the Race podcast. We know there's a, a lot of different things out there, but uh, again, we talk about fitness and faith and uh, tell folks about it. And uh, we'd love to get your feedback. You can send me an email anytime. That's jdennis at wtvm.com, J D E N N I S at wtvm, as in martin.com. That's the TV station I've worked for for the last, uh, I don't know, about 18 of the last 21 years. So uh, uh, that's uh, my day job as news anchor but I, I love talking about uh, fitness and faith on this podcast and hope you've enjoyed it as well and uh, until next week uh, we'll see you uh, you know in uh, in March for some other fascinating guests <laughs>